0: Today on Tell Me What You Know, we're back in our pseudoscience comfort zone talking about cryptozoology. These hidden animals have been evading humans for years despite our best efforts at finding them. On today's show, we'll draft our top five cryptids, discuss a brief history of the pseudoscience as well as its influence on pop culture with movies like Tremors, shows like Finding Bigfoot. Welcome to Tell Me What You Know. What up, everybody? Today is Friday. February 26th, episode 5, season 3 of Tell Me What You Know. We are going to get back on our pseudoscience bullshit today. That's right. We're talking about cryptozoology. Uh, maybe easier to call it Bigfoot science.
1: <laughs> a little pseudoscience.
0: A little pseudoscience, a little bit of, uh, well, you know, animals that maybe may or may not exist. That's right. That's right. We're going to I, talk I, about that.
1: I found this a lot more interesting than I, than I would have assumed it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: d- super interesting to me. I mean, there's people that just completely disregard the rules of science just because <laughs> they think something
1: I mean, I've definitely gone down some rabbit holes watching Bigfoot shows on Discovery Channel. Oh yeah. You know, searching oh, yeah. for Bigfoot or
0: We don't need all the scientific method, we just need the folklore record basically. That's right. And like I- some I heard my grandmother's aunt tell tell the story one time and then that's all I needed now. Right.
1: Very anecdotal. Mm-hmm very anecdotal. Let's start uh, off with what we learned this week though. Yeah, let's do that. I think you okay. go first this week.
0: Okay, I will go first. I was listening to a podcast uh and it was talking about King Solomon, like the most wealthy Israelite of all time. Mm-hmm. They made some outlandish claim like he had trillions of dollars, which I'm not I can't find any <laughs> <laughs> any like record of that, but he uh, was very rich. So I was like, okay, I wonder who like the most wealthy people in human history are. Mm. And so it kind of broke it up into the modern period, early modern to modern period, and uh, more like Middle Ages, ancient times, right? So if we're talking like early modern to modern period, you might think, you know, Carnegie or Rockefeller or something like that all had yep. like billions of dollars. But it was actually a German merchant with the best name of all time, Jacob Fugger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's fucking rich.
0: Jacob Fugger, he was a German merchant. He was a mining entrepreneur. At one point, his family basically had a monopoly on all of the copper market in Europe. Wow. Uh, his net worth, it says around like $400 billion. Uh, he left it all to his nephew, Anton Fugger. Uh, <laughs> the company assets totaling an, over 2 million guilders, which uh, guilders... It's some kind of – it's like a gold penny, I guess. Okay. But, uh, tons of money. He was referred to as Fugger the Rich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how Anton blew it all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anton Fugger was probably – he was into buggery, I bet. He, yeah. He had probably too many prostitutes or something.
1: I've always but assumed yeah. that if you had a lot of money, there has to be like some super dark side of what you've done to have that much money, right? Like – nobody would cross you, you know, you can't cross Fugger.
0: Fugger (laughs) family. Dude, such a good name, Jacob Fugger.
1: Jacob
0: Uh, Fugger. If we're talking more like ancient times, middle ages, uh, Mansa Musa, he was Mm -hmm. uh, the head of the, I guess he was the leader of the, of Mali at the time, the Mali empire. Okay. Uh, This guy was so rich that like people say there's really no way to put an accurate number on his wealth. Hmm. So I don't know what that means, but I guess more than $400 billion. Yeah. He basically had like all of the gold in Africa. At it it's like, this was in like the 1300s, 1200s, 1300s. Uh, he like, he was, a, you know, he was, he was a Muslim. And so he, on, on a trip to Mecca one time, he took like tons and t- like literal tons of gold to Mecca, which just deflated the value of gold across pretty much all of North Africa. Because hmm. he just brought all his gold there and I guess gave it to Mecca. Gave it to uh, Muhammad. But yeah, inconceivably rich by contemporaries. There's really no way to put an accurate number on his wealth. At,
1: at that point, like, you know, we've got Fort Knox, right? You know, the like, where America stores all its gold. Right. But how does that guy store his gold where it's not just like, I'm just going to steal some of this, like, a little amount of gold. Like, or have so much loyalty around him that yeah. that people but, agree that, oh, like – well, that's got to be his gold. That's got to be Molly's gold.
0: Maybe he had a bunch of cryptids guarding it.
1: Maybe, maybe a bunch of
0: Bigfoot and a bunch of uh, you know, he's got Kobe some uh, death. He's got some
1: deathly alliances. With <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's, that's kind of what I found. I mean, there's you know, obviously there's like Augustus and stuff like that. Four point six trillion dollars, I think. But that was, it would suck to have that much money back then. <laughs> well, at that point,
1: you really. It's like you don't have money; you just have power and influence. Like you can't even you know, buy just a Tesla. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What what good is? What it? was
0: Augustus buying? He like bought the coolest, like horse saddle.
1: Right, right. He That's he's, had like just, a
0: building built for him or something.
1: He's like you know, he's got access to the best spices from around the world that are just hard to get. Right, it's basically all he 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 just got. He's got like cinnamon and sugar.
0: The dude like bathed in saffron.
1: That was basically. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's how he flexed on people. Huh. Uh, so, yeah, that's... I would imagine I
1: Genghis Khan would be up there.
0: Yeah, maybe. Think about, I, feel I, mean, like, I feel like the Khans didn't even care about money. They just wanted to, like, pillage.
1: Yeah, that's right. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's got a, a ton of kids that would look after him. Yeah, he had a, you know, like he had a, lot, of, a lot of 20% of people. the right. Chinese subcontinent. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Kublai oh, Kubla Khan good. really
0: put a hurting on him.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I learned this week, I finished Andre Agassi's autobiography, Open yeah uh very good book. I really recommend it if uh you're in need of a book um I learned that uh towards like the later stages of his career he opened a charter school in las vegas where mm-hmm. uh where he's from and um he's raised over two hundred million dollars for education reform uh and so he's got the uh the agassiz academy uh it's a prep school in vegas it serves the underprivileged youth nice. um and yeah, it's been open since 2001. It's currently uh kindergarten through through K through 12. Yeah. Uh it seems like a really uh pl- a place doing a lot of good. Okay. Uh, I didn't it, he he dropped out as an 8th grader uh to play tennis. He, he went to the um this like Balltieri Bal- Academy. This is like basically like a sweat camp for tennis stars mm. in Florida. Um, so he didn't really have an education. So when he grew up, he, he wanted to give, give more people access to a good education.
0: The mullet was a wig.
1: Yes, it was. This is true. He was losing his hair for a long time. Uh, he also, he's also, he also did meth. He, yeah, he destroyed all of his trophies at one point after a fight with Brooke Shields. Uh, he's got a crazy little story, man. I, I really recommend reading his book. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's what I learned.
0: Okay, the Agassi Charter School. Yeah. Well, much like Andre Agassi's hair, let's talk about some other stuff that that's maybe not real. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about cryptids, cryptozoology. Uh, If you don't know what that means, just think of like the type of science that might study Bigfoot or the chupacabra. Yep. The Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil. Let's start so that we don't give away too much in our talk. Let's start with our draft uh, and let's pick our, f- our favorite cryptids.
1: That's right. It, I think this is going to be a hotly contested draft this week. So, yeah, maybe. Who's There's going so first. many of them. There are, but I think there are some crowd, crowd favorites. Okay.
0: Um, I can't remember who goes first. What was our topic last week? uh cool, cold things <laughs> cold things i think i think you went first last week yeah i, went, I had took sub zero first so it's your
1: yeah that, that was a good one <clears throat> okay <laughs> sub zero uh well i'm i'm also then if i get to go first i'm going to i'm going to kind of bridge from cold things to this cryptid mm-hmm. uh the abominable snowman also known okay. as yeti the
0: yeti the Yeti yeah.
1: Uh, one, I just, how often do you hear the word abominable ever used? It's like, it goes hand in hand with snowman.
0: I don't think I've ever heard it used when not referring to the Yeti.
1: Yeah. Uh, it just means like something you're really, uh, grossed out by or, uh, like put off by, but like to a, to a, to a large extent, like a, like a, like you really hate it, like detest. Right. Um, (laughs) Did you know It's that? not a
0: good thing. Uh, yeah I man I knew it was like a, it meant bad.
1: I also always misspell it with a d for some reason.
0: Abdominable. Abominable? Like Oh. <laughs> I like abominable snowman?
1: I I, like, I oh, don't know. Wow, that
0: that's a great photoshop there. That's right. Just You need to put a yeti with like an eight pack.
1: With an eight pack. Which I yeah. assume the abominable snowman has an eight pack?
0: I, yeah maybe or I don't think he's that cut. I think he's more of a bulker.
1: You think he's a bulk guy? Yeah, he's got a lot more of like the uh, keg, barrel he, chested. He needs a lot of uh, like good fat up in the in the Himalayas, right? Warm, right? Right? Yeah, right, right. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I kind of think the abominable snowman could be real.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there I, there are levels to this where it's like, okay, like I think Bigfoot has more. Maybe it's because it's like we hear about it more often. I don't know. Then like well, maybe other things, but.
1: Well, th- there is like a weird um aspect where some of these kind of have like they they're the same myth in different regions of the world, right? Like the yeah. Yeti is is basically the Himalayas the the Nepalese version of Bigfoot. Do you do you, do you agree?
0: Oh, for sure. And there's like so many they're like, "Oh, a water monster." And they all look the exact same.
1: Right. Right.
0: <laughs> they're like long-necked humpbacked. They're basically Loch Ness monster. They're just in different parts of the world. Yeah. Yeah, but I imagine uh, squid, all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Which is actually Uh, a real animal. Which
1: is a real thing. So that that was something I want to bring up later. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna take Abominable Snowman. Um, I just think about, you know, when I was young, I I think I I first learned about the Abominable Snowman going to uh, uh, Disneyland and riding uh, the Matterhorn. And like when you're on the Matterhorn, like this this Abominable Snowman pops out and scares you, and it's a good good ride.
0: I think my, these might be a callback for anybody, <clears throat> but my first two, I guess, exposures to the Abominable Snowman. One was from that like claymation Christmas movie, mm, mm-hmm. uh, Rudolph the red Reindeer, I think it is yep. in that one. The other was like a Microsoft MS-DOS game, Ski Free. Okay. You remember that game?
1: Uh, I don't.
0: It was like, well, maybe... it came on like your, like your first PC you had, it had like, mm-hmm. you know, you had like Jez Ball. And you had <laughs> Ski Free. And Ski Free, like, you would eventually get to a point where this Yeti would just run out and eat your skier.
1: Gotcha. That's as far you as you can You could
0: probably out. beat it, but I didn't know how to beat it at the time. Yeah. There were no websites telling me how to hack was, into the
1: game and beat was it. Was there a little pixel blood that, you know, came I out think of he the... Ate,
0: uh, no, I think he ate you whole. Snow? Oh, okay. He just ate you whole, yeah.
1: Wow. He just, yep.
0: That's a good one. Classic Yeti. My first pick, I'm going with the Groot Slang. Groots long, the great snake, uh, mm. an Afrikaans, uh, this is a South African. See, I don't want to call it a legend cause I don't want to disrespect the people who believe in it, but <clears throat> a South African cryptid, uh, it's sorry. I have to cough. <coughs> I have coffee in my throat. All right. Um, yeah, the Groots long it's, fr- it's a cave dwelling, uh, snake like monster, uh, found in the desert region of Northwestern, South Africa. Basically, this thing is ridiculous. The reason I picked it is because the description made me, made my brain break. It's got the head of an elephant, and the tail of a, of a giant serpent. So like, just think of a big ass snake with an elephant head on the front of it,
1: including the ears. Yes,
0: yes. and like tusks.
1: Oh wow! Oh
0: wow! <laughs> right. Uh, legend has it that when the earth was created, the Groot slangs were all destroyed. But I don't understand. I think they're more like a primordial like uh like space monster maybe uh-huh. I guess. Uh-huh. But apparently some of them survived and they were they're in the deepest caves of like the of South Africa now. But yeah, tales of enormous tusk snakes um they've been I guess part of South African folklore ever since but uh Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a ridiculous ridiculous animal. Yeah that I would really like, like to see sometimes. Sounds really scary as
1: well. Ah, I'm going to stay out of the caves of South Africa.
0: Yeah, in 1917, uh, a British diamond magnet, Peter Grayson, disappeared uh, in South Africa, and the Groot slang has been blamed for that, for sure. <laughs> Damn Groot slang. Yeah. My next one, everybody's heard of the Kraken, right? Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to take it to Japan. The Akuro Kamui. <laughs> okay. Uh, The Ainu people of Japan uh, believe that basically the Volcano Bay off the south coast of Hokkaido, there's an enormous octopus called the Okoro Kamui. Um, It's enormous. It's got eyes all over its tentacles and stuff and apparently Mm. emits a really bad smell. Mm. There was a a British missionary named John Batchelor. He was working on Hokkaido in the early 1900s. And he recorded uh, a sighting in his book, said that uh, this thing attacked three local fishermen, um, and it like admitted this dark fluid and noxious odor, and the men all fled, not because they were so much scared, but because the smell was so bad, and the next morning they they refused to get up and eat. They were just lying <laughs> in their bed trembling in fear, uh, pale, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> you
1: think you think they were like looking at each other like I wasn't scared? Were you scared? No, I just yeah. that, that just smelled horrible. It just smelled really, it smelled bad. really
0: bad. No, I wasn't scared, man. It smells just so bad. Smells horrible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, uh that's probably what they were saying for sure. But yeah, that's the Akuro Kamui. That's I'm sure. That's how you pronounce it as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good, good picks. Thanks. Um, I'm, I'm going off this one because I, I like the name. Uh, I think the British always have good naming conventions. But uh, this is the beast of Exmoor. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is a big cat living in England. Okay. Um, it was prevalent in the 1980s. Uh, they even called in uh, some like British Marines to look for this thing after uh, some. Uh, like mutilated cows and livestock. Yeah. Um, But basically they think this is like a cougar or leopard. (laughs) That was maybe it's just being misidentified because uh, there was some law passed in the 70s that you couldn't have, you know, big cats as pets. Right. Um, So somebody just probably like released it. Um, And yeah. So this, the beast of Exmoor was written about in magazines and uh, different places. So uh, I just think the name's really cool. And um, but yeah, it's supposed to be like a big, large, dark cat, kind of like a leopard. Yep. All right. Um. Okay. So this next one is German, and I really like I I really like this one because uh they've got these they've got this statue uh in in Germany, and th- what this is called is called the Elvedrich. Uh, Elvedrich. And Elvedrich. And basically, it's like a mermaid bird. Yeah. So it's like this bird that lives in the water, um, and you know this thing's very like it, I didn't even really read anything about it like hurting people or anything. You know, it's just basically like mytholo- myth- mythological. Um, I kind of put this in the same bucket as like Hansel and Gretel stories. Um, but these uh, the pictures and and they have this fountain, uh, the Elvedrich fountain. Uh, I, I mean, this thing just looks hilarious. It's got these, like, big, almost Kim Kardashian lips and <laughs> these tits on them. How do you spell and this? How do you spell <laughs> it's, this? It's hilarious. Uh, it's called E-L-W-E-T-R-I-T-S-C-H-E yeah. okay. Fountain. <clears throat> look at the, look right. this thing up, the Elbridge Ridge Fountain. Um, I have yes. copied it. I, it just makes me laugh looking at it. It's like it's hilarious but um it's also said to inhabit uh Pennsylvania <laughs> right and uh, it was brought over by the Dutch and uh, there's like some traditions the Elvidrich they have like elverichtch parties and dance festivals and uh, uh, they kind of I wouldn't say pray to this thing but um I think there's there's some rituals around sacrificing something or giving something so that the Elvidritch doesn't come free or something like that. Okay, all right. Um, Yeah, the Elvidritch.
0: That's a weird-looking thing.
1: Yeah. Um, And then my next one, I'm going to go for uh, The Mothman. Mothman. I was kind of wondering if this is uh, something like – So I've seen The Mothman Prophecies, the Richard Gere movie. Have you seen that movie?
0: Uh, No, but I've read a bit about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, the Mothman is in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of – there were like these sightings in the 60s of this like, this man who looked like a moth. Um, he could fly. Red eyes. Red eyes. And he's also associated with like supernatural events. Yeah. Um, so, it kind of like spanned the spectrum between maybe something almost like satanic and and like a flying man. Like a Mothman, yeah. This Obviously, is where it
0: crosses over into like the ghost hunting territory as well. Yes,
1: yes, It does it goes into that that spectrum. Um, I really like the movie. Uh, I think I think the Mothman gave him like uh, it, the Mothman prophecies, gave Richard Gere a vision of something that was to come, and um, and also kind of like terrified him a little bit. I, is it a scary a movie? Lot.
0: Is it a horror movie?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it definitely is probably a little bit more th- more horror than it is thriller. Okay, but. Um, I'd say it's like 60% horror, 40% thriller. Got it. Just a typical 60, 40 split.
0: I know exactly what to expect now.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Mothman. There's a Mothman festival every year in Point Pleasant. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they do, but, but it could be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> sounds amazing. I, I went deep on my research there. Yeah, no, that's great.
0: <clears throat> uh, You've seen the movie, I'm sure you have, you've seen every single movie, movie Tremors. I love Tremors. Okay, well, this, this, the Mongolian Death Worm reminded me so much of Tremors that I had to take it onto my list.
1: Oh, you know, that's such a great, uh, comparison. I didn't even think about that. Did you look up the
0: Mongolian Death Worm?
1: I saw it listed and I thought it yeah. sounded really cool and like read a little bit about it, but I didn't, I didn't equate it with Tremors and I, so, I mean, it's such a great movie.
0: Yeah. Let me start this off by saying that, uh, so basically all right, I'll just I'll just give it this is in, in the Gobi Desert in the most arid regions of the Gobi Desert. There's this death worm. Apparently, it's shaped like a sausage about two feet long, has no head, no legs. And is so poisonous that just touching it means instant death. Uh, <laughs> now, nobody, it, every, every single like, person that's gone over there, paleontologist to study or whatnot, everything is secondhand. Nobody present has ever seen this creature, but they all firmly believe in his existence and they describe it down to the detail, right? Right, right. So basically, um, I
1: was—I I heard from a merchant that he right. saw this thing. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, in 1983, a lot of locals were shown this specimen of the Tartar sand boa, which is just a snake. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, but it reminded me of, of Tremors because uh, – So in 1990, 1992, in two different expeditions, this guy, Ivan Mackerel, uh, he, like, took groups to the southern – or, sorry, into the Gobi Desert to search for this worm. Um, And I guess it was kind of also inspired by the the book Dune, the novel Dune, right? Mm, Yeah. Uh, These sandworm – and then this is where the tremors think of – these sandworms can be brought to the surface by, like, rhythmic thumping. And so Mm -hmm. this guy took this motor-driven thumper and would, like, hit the ground with it and also had explosions to try and find this worm. Never found it. But that's, like, what, you know, tremors, they – they sense your, your footsteps or whatever, and then they come up and they eat you out of the ground.
1: Right, right.
0: You got to have a, like an elephant rifle to kill them.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, so every single like hunt for this death worm has come up empty-handed. Um, that's basically it, the Mongolian death worm. Although the, the only death- difference between trimmers and this thing is that the Mongolian death worm is said to be two feet long. Trimmers were like they were en- enormous. Yeah, much
1: bigger. Probably like, like 20 feet long. Thirty
0: feet yeah. long. Yep. Uh, my fourth pick. I'm going with the classic chupacabra. One thing about the chupacabra. So uh, I speak Spanish. I don't know if you knew that, but it literally <laughs> means the goat sucker. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about this that I did not know is that the the, the term chupacabra is only only dates back to 1995. I think like all these are super old.
1: I, I I was gonna. I left this off my list because I knew you were gonna pick it. Yeah. Uh. And I was kind of I was surprised by that too. I kind of thought this would have been like, you know, something way back in like Aztecian days,
0: right? Yeah, you know like what some I mean? kind of like Inca or Maya type thing, right? Yeah. Some kind of South South American Central American <clears throat> folklore type thing, legend, yeah. right? So uh, basically, this came about, I think, in the '70s. It does date back to that, but I don't think it was named then. They they had like the the Vampire of Mocha in 1975, which is a mm. town in Puerto Rico. Um, all these like livestock were just, just turned up dead. And then in 1995, again, there were, you know, a bunch of goats that turned up or or sheep that were discovered dead. And they all had these like puncture wounds in their chest and they'd all been completely drained of their blood. So they're like, okay, is this like some kind of satanic ritual? What is going on here? And then eventually they settled on, no, it can't be that. It's gotta be the chupacabra. Uh This thing is like basically... It's a kind of a heavy creature, size of a small bear. It's got spines going down its neck all the way down to the base of its tail. And it's just all about vampirism, right? It just, it drinks the blood of livestock yeah, uh, and just destroys um, livestock, basically. Huh. Yeah. Did, uh, the. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, did, did you, does it attack humans at all? Or is it just like, it turns up dead goats?
0: I think it's mostly livestock. The movie Species, however, Sill and Species, you know, she was based Mm -hmm. on the Chupacabra as well. Chupacabra.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a very ominous creature.
0: Yeah. I think Species was the first movie you ever saw that I saw boobs in. Yeah. I think it was probably Species. It was my first movie boobs.
1: I'm trying to think mine. Cliffhanger? Boobs and cliffhanger? How could there not be? I don't know.
0: I watched Species because I heard there were hmm. boobs in it. I don't even remember it being a good movie. It's just like I think there's boobs in this movie.
1: Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> what Species was based on.
0: Right, right, exactly. Um, it was that, and then uh, I think my next one was probably Swordfish.
1: Oh yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, good one.
0: <laughs> my last one is the Altamaha. Alti, <laughs> Alti for short. Where do you think this guy's from? Uh. uh Brazil. He's from Georgia and the United States. <laughs> 20 to 30 foot long river monster, large flippers. It's basically Loch Ness monster. And it's funny because, uh, it's like in the Altamaha river. I don't know how to say that. Somebody from Georgia can help me with that one. Altamaha river, uh, near Darien, Georgia, uh-huh. which, uh, was settled by Scottish Highlanders in 1736. So like they just brought over. Their own Loch Ness monster, basically. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, 20, 30 foot long river monster. <clears throat> uh, there's a lot of river like,
1: monsters on this list or on, yeah, like, there's a ton on of- the list. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, it's probably nothing more than a descendant of like the Scott Settlers tales of the Loch Ness monster. Mm-hmm. But I liked Alti, uh, My fifth pick. <laughs> That's a good one.
1: Um, I'm going to go with one. Uh, I, I didn't read too much about this, but I like the name. I also liked where it was from uh it's called the Shunka Warikin.
0: okay
1: where do you think it's from
0: Shunka. japan
1: uh it's from it lives in montana <laughs> 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 uh okay. it's it's a it's like a a now wolf-like it. creature okay um and yeah it 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 basically steals dogs that were living in there there was first spot in the pre- 1900s. It's um, dogs. Yeah, goes after dogs. Uh, but I, I really like the name, the Shunka Warrickin. Shunka so, Warrickin. So the next time you're in uh, Montana, you go asking around about the Shunka. They'll tell you yep. some stories, I'm sure. they
0: receive that question well? are they like, like, oh, oh we, we don't, say don't say speak of it.
1: That. We don't speak of the Shunka. <clears throat> Shunka um, So do you want to move on to, on to some other uh, cryptozoology things?
0: Yeah, when, I mean, if you haven't picked it up yet, like basically this is a subculture, a pseudoscience that kind of aims to prove the existence of these entities from folklore, like from the folklore record, like Bigfoot, Chupacabra, ones we didn't mention. Other ones you probably heard of but we didn't talk about, Loch Ness Monster, uh, the Jersey Devil. What else is on there? Yeah, the Jersey just Devil. Talk about them, basically. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's like a relatively young field. The term only dates back to the 1950s, and I thought uh, – like well, two
1: founders, right?
0: Well, yeah. So like they had this Belgian dude who started talking about it, Bernard Wavelmans and a Wavellmans. Scottish guy. Yeah. Uvelmans? U- Uvelmans? I don't yeah. know how it like a Spanish. Right? Anyway. Ivan Sanderson. Ivan Sanderson, the Scottish guy. Right. So yeah. Uvelmans. What's up? Sorry. <laughs> you recorded? <it>? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was our more successful podcast partner. Uh, anyway. Yeah, published a book. Do, uh, the book. Yeah, go check out Inside Football podcast. Inside with Football. Bill
1: uh, yeah, Bernard Uvelmans and Even Sanderson, they both kind of have like connections to real zoology, like an actual science. And then and then somewhere in their like mid career, they went off on this tangent and started looking at like yeah things that couldn't be explained. Um, they kind of always bordered the line between real science and this pseudoscience, and so they had like real people read their their works and be like, um, "Oh yeah, this is done really well, it's written well," but they make these like huge leaps in their conclusions that just don't make yeah. any sense. And that's kind of uh, like Ivan Sanderson. I I I read, kind of went more into like he had these these theories that there were places on the earth that. Uh, if you went there, you could, they were like distorted by space and time. So he kind of yeah. went into like a much more uh, weird part of, of, I'm not even going to call it science, but folklore and myth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of published these papers in the 1950s and founded this cryptozoology.
0: Right. Yeah. U- Uvelman's, I uh, published on the track of unknown animals, yep. which Seems way more scientific than 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 Sanderson's book uh, or series of books, uh, Abominable Snowmen: Legend Come to Life. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, he's got one the about term,
1: underwater UFOs.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought it was funny that they invented the term cryptid, so that that people it almost seemed like they invented or they they coined that term. J. E. Wall, 1983, cryptozoologist, turn turned the coined the term cryptid uh, because he thought that. I feel like he thought it maybe gave him like more credit or like more more uh what's the word they they wanted to replace the like using the term monster and stuff right. like that they like so that it was like they gave him more more leverage I guess and be like yeah this is real stuff and
1: make it sound like a science
0: right right He's like, yeah Crypto- we don't want to be cryptos- monsters. monsters. It's, a, it's like with this it's a cryptid it's a living thing How, you know it's being it's hidden or it's unknown but it's this thing you know Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean it just kind of seems like he coined the terms that people would take them more seriously. I think a lot of scholars agree with that as well because like they say that cryptozoology is a pseudoscience, it's based on the older beliefs in monsters and that kind of thing as well. Yeah. So one thing I when I
1: first started doing the research, I go to Google, go to the Google machine, and I start mm-hmm. typing in crypto. And obviously I'm getting a bunch of Bitcoin recommendations and then and then I get to zoo and I was quite interested in the next search results from it. Mm-hmm. And the first one that comes up is cryptozoologists' salary. And I found okay. this very interesting because, well, who's paying people to go be a cryptozoologist? Like outside of being a, you know, getting a Discovery Channel show where you're, you know, looking for, um, you know, Bigfoot. Did I cut out? I lost you again. Oh, there, there's your video back.
0: Is it me or so is it? You're
1: looking for Bigfoot. Yeah. I don't know. It could be me. Okay.
0: Outside of getting a Discovery Channel um, show. Yeah. I don't know. what is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. I, so to make money doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Who's who's paying you to, to do this? So I found that the average cryptozoologist in the US makes $46,417 a year. Uh, if you're living in San Francisco, that number is $69,614 a year.
0: Well, have to uh, pay for your living expenses.
1: That's right. Averaging total compensation 50% greater than the average in the U.S. So a little bit more digging into this. I think you find that a lot of religions or specifically more like creationists, like the young earth creationism theory people who they are actually funding this stuff because if you can go find – they have like – uh, the theories that dinosaurs and man were on the planet at the same time, right? Right. So if they can find a record that that they were, then basically it dis- disproves evolution. So right. there are a lot of these expeditions funded by the church, the, by churches, not Catholic Church, but funded by these these more uh, fringe churches to go look for these creatures, and that makes a lot more sense to me that that there's this like religious connection to this yeah. to cryptozoology for sure
0: i mean otherwise like just the how do you become a cryptozoologist you just say you are one i assume right
1: right <laughs> well that's what i mean like yeah. it's like but but who do you need to tell this to and it's like oh yeah, yeah well i need to send you to uh the gobi desert to find this worm. like who's paying for that expedition be like, if yep. you find it, that means the Bible's real. Right. Right, right, right. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Puts this whole it's, thing in perspective.
0: I, I, I prefer to uh, go with the guys on like Matt Moneymaker from Finding Bigfoot. Great name for the guy who discovered the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, got, you ever watch that show, Finding Bigfoot?
1: Oh, yeah. I I, I mean, not like with any frequency not for nine really. seasons yeah but uh so you yeah put an
0: episode here and there
1: but i i do love the format of the shows The like constantly you know there's always a hook right you, it always something to get you to come back from from the commercial and then yeah, they, I mean, they, they not, never pay it off
0: I, I'm, I'm not so much like it's not really the, the content of the show that i'm impressed with it's the fact that they've been able to run for nine seasons and have literally never found one piece of evidence of Big right Foot.
1: right uh, and, they, and, they, and I think
0: they try and like tie it together with this actual scientist who's skeptical on the show and all that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Well, I also just love oh, it's all the same show, right? Like it's it's the, the B-roll is all the same. It's like, a, right. you know, videos of in the trees, uh, you know, going in and out of focus on like a branch.
0: A stick breaking behind them.
1: A stick breaking. Uh, people like being in the in the middle of the woods, like feeling like lost a yeah. step, you know, a footstep in the, some dirt. I, I mean, it's all the same show. Right, so I'm very impressed that they are they are able to keep it going, because I think those are like 42 minute episodes, like hour hour long shows.
0: Yeah, it, it is impressive. Yeah, um, I think that's all I got on cryptids, cryptozoology. What else?
1: You got? I, I want to bring up the fact that you really don't need cryptozoology if you want to no, get right. freaked out by real animals. There are a lot of real animals like. I always like Sam who we've had on the podcast in the past has, has a theory like real life monsters are basically just bears. Like if if you're in the woods, if like, I mean, if like, seriously though, if you, if you were in the woods and you saw a freaking bear for the first time, that thing is a monster. It run, it could run through trees. It's going to come eat you. That is a, that is typically a monster. It's just that yeah. we have like this, we we know about it, so therefore it's not like scary,
0: right? There's not the rarity of it as well. It's not like it, you're the. <clears throat> so many people have seen bears before. I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that theory. I now I'm more so of the like I agree Th- that with a bear like, isn't a monster, right? Not by the, my definition of monster.
1: So a monster needs to be something that you don't see often.
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I, so, if a bear so like was a in your
1: scary. closet and you went to go look in there and then it wasn't there, like.
0: Well, I mean, then the, the, it has like some kind of special powers <laughs> if he's just disappeared on him. <laughs> like, what are you talking? That's a monster. Yeah. It's
1: going through a door in the closet to another right. world. Yeah. Uh, an I, I do think
0: that, that like aliens and like like stuff at the bottom of the ocean has like alien qualities, you know. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, even like, uh, like the platypus, right? The duck-billed platypus. That seems kind of like a cryptid. Yeah, even though we know it's an actual—I mean, it's a mammal that lays eggs. It's got a duck bill on it. Right. Exactly. It doesn't fit well, in any kind of box.
1: Well, you I mean you brought up the kraken before and the giant squid. I mean, mm-hmm. the kraken, the the kraken, the giant squid wasn't first wasn't photographed until 2004. I mean, if you were oh, really? on a boat in, like, a fisherman, and like a giant squid came up near your boat and you saw it, and then it went back down into the depths, you, you're gonna talk about that as like some mythological creature i think that totally makes sense yeah um but but it's a real a real animal um cryptozoologists also take take credit for uh the the discovery of um uh, what was it uh the komodo dragon it's just a real lizard it's just a lot it's just you know uh, out in the the orient essentially like the un the un. Uh, the unexplored by Western civilization, right? Doesn't mean it's like crazy. Uh, the one picture that I I do think really freaks me out, and this is in the megabat uh, family. These are real yeah. things. Yeah. These things are freaking creepy, man. If you look up uh, the giant golden crowned flying fox, giant this, golden crown. Oh. It's it looks like a human sized bat. And there's a picture of it. It lives in the Philippines. And there's a picture of it that of of it hanging from like, basically like um, uh, like an awning in front of a store. And it, I mean, it looks like a human. It looks like Batman hanging upside down in the yeah. Philippines. That thing is creepy. Um, but those things will like cover trees and be hanging. I mean, it has a five foot wingspan. I mean, it only weighs like three pounds though. Anyways, th- you don't need to go searching for crazier things you you can you can find them uh in regular nature another one i looked up that's creepy the star-nosed mole it's basically just looks like a worm with these like crazy <clears throat> mandibles on it Ugh. uh yeah really creepy and then another one i looked up uh was it i think it's i think you pronounce it the Gariel, the Gariel. uh this is basically like a crocodile with like a really skinny snout and it has a shit ton of teeth on it um it eats fish. I, I, I thinks crazy. It's a total dinosaur. Um just been around forever. Like sits at the apex of its environment and just kills stuff. Like yeah. a shark. Um it lived like sixty years. Anyways. Really weird there are a lot of creepy animals. I don't think you need cryptozoology. Even though I do I do enjoy a nice myth.
0: What do you, I mean if somebody proves that Bigfoot is real then what? I don't know. i have to take it all back. No. I mean like do they make a ton of money? Or is it just like, oh yeah, I was right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to put it in like a zoo to make the money, I guess. Right. Take it yeah, on the circus. A, put it on the train.
0: Get PT Barnum to come back. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, that was our show on cryptids. <laughs> Let us know what your favorite cryptid is in the comments.
1: <laughs> uh, Michael, I think everybody should, yeah, I think everybody should uh, wish you a happy birthday. By agree. the time this Thank comes you. out, you'll be, uh, you know, past your birthday. So, yes. happy belated birthday, Michael!
0: Thank you. I appreciate um, it. I'm entering my late early 30s. Yep, and never have, couldn't feel better about it.
1: We'll be sharing your uh, Amazon wish list with everybody. They can purchase things for you. that would be great. Um, yeah, happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
0: Everybody have a great week. Uh, next week we're going to be doing we didn't never did our season two wrap up show. So we're going to do that next week. A little bit of trivia from our second season of Tell Me What You Know. Get ready. Where I will try and stump Michael, and Michael will try and stump me. Uh, should be a lot of fun. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week.